Welcome to 2022, our year of great increase, as prophesied by our pastor, Pastor Boni Bahati. We believe that as you listen to this sermon, God will greatly increase and multiply you in all the five core areas of your life. Be blessed as you listen. So we continue with our series, The Anointed and His Anointing. Last week we looked at what is the anointing and where is it found. We said the anointing is both a noun and a verb. The anointing is both a verb, is, the anointing is both a verb and a noun. The anointing is a verb when the act of pouring oil on someone is happening. That is the anointing. It's a noun when we mention what? The Holy Spirit or the element by which we use to, to anoint people. We also say that the anointing is not found in the air. The anointing is not found in the streets. The anointing is not found on trees. The anointing is found upon anointed people. The anointing is also divine empowerment or the Holy Spirit coming to reside in, with, and upon. Tell me about the Holy Spirit comes to reside within, upon, and with. Yes. So the anointing is found in a man. And we said, if you are going to benefit from the anointing, you have to relate with the anointed. So who is the anointed? The anointed is the carrier. Tell about the anointed is the carrier of the anointing. Do you understand me? Talk to me. Do you understand me? The anointing is the what? The anointed is what? The carrier of, of the anointing. So if you want to experience the power of the anointing, you have to relate with the anointed. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if you want to experience the power of the anointing, you have to relate with the anointed. Yes. There are no two ways about it. Are we together? So today, I'm going to teach you how to identify anointed people. Now that we know what the anointing is, where it is, it is also now important to know how to identify anointed people. How to identify anointed people. How to identify anointed people. So the greatest secret for your anointing is to identify the anointed who has been sent to you with his anointing. The greatest secret for your anointing is to identify the anointed who has been sent to you with his anointing. Remember, the anointed is an agent of God for your promotion, your deliverance, and your lifting. So if you want the anointing, it is up to you to identify the anointed who has been sent to you by God for your promotion, your deliverance, and your lifting. Also remember, the anointed person is an agent for you to receive the anointing. The anointed person 
is an agent for you to receive the anointing. Because we've said the anointing is not found in the air. The anointing is found, not found in buildings. The anointing is not found in malls and shops. So the anointed is found in an anointed man. So the anointed man is therefore an agent for you to receive the anointing. The anointed is an agent for you to receive the anointing. So to be able to do what an anointed person does, you must have the anointing he carries. For you to be able to do what the anointed man does or the anointed person does, you must have a measure of the anointing he carries. The reason why anointed people are able to do what they do is because they have an anointing that lives in them. So you will also be able to do things that the anointed person does if you can get the anointing that lives in him to start living in you. So it is therefore crucial for you to identify anointed people so that you can target the anointing they carry and so that you can start experiencing the miracles they experience and start experiencing the things they do what? Experience. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it is important to identify the anointed. So today people say that someone is anointed if he has a certain title. I've heard people say that when a person is called a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, an apostle, it is usually assumed that that person is anointed. Unfortunately, some people just carry the titles. They are called pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, apostles, bishops, mighty men of God, but they are not anointed. So having a title does not mean you carry the anointing. There is a difference between appointment and anointment. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, there is a difference between appointment and anointment. Now, if, you re if you've read your Bible, you know a man called David, right? David was anointed to be king, or rather was appointed to be king, but had to wait for close to, I think, 13 years for him to be anointed as king. So since when Prophet Samuel appointed him and said, this man, he poured oil and said, this man is a king. Did he sit on the throne? Did he sit on the throne? He had to wait for several years for him to receive the anointing that allows him to sit on the throne. So he had the title king, but he didn't have the anointing of the king. Do you understand me? So he had to do what? To wait. So some people may be having the titles, pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist. Someone could be having all those titles. He's a teacher, he's a prophet, he's a pastor. All those titles combined. He's a doctor, he's a bishop. You know there are people who like titles. Yeah, reverend, doctor, apostle, professor, missionary, onugu, onaganigi. That does not mean you're anointed, Maggie. You can be having titles from here to Sudan and back, but that does not mean in any way that you are anointed. 
It is, I'm not disputing titles. They are good for administration. However, titles don't mean you are anointed. If anything, did Jesus, did Jesus have any title? Jesus was not called pastor, apostle, evangelist, doctor, teacher Jesus, son of David. He was just referred to as the son of David. Like, what's the name of your father? Eh? Magi wa Jose. Magi, son of Joseph. That was maybe the only title they have. But was his ministry full of the anointing? Was the ministry of Jesus full of the anointing? You know, there is nobody who has the measure of anointing that rested upon Jesus. No human being can have that measure. Because Jesus was 100% man and 100%. So him, in him, the Bible says, in him was fullness of God. So that means in him was fullness of the anointing. So every other human being, you have what the Bible says, you have a measure. To each is given a measure of faith, a measure of the anointing. But for Jesus, he had the fullness of God living in him. Fullness of God. So nobody can have that because you're not 100% God. You are a human being. However, that measure of the anointing varies in different people. There are, pe there are people who have more of the anointing. There are people who have less of the anointing. And there are people who have no anointing at all. So how do you identify anointed people? Number one. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Mm -hmm. Number one. Identify the anointed by the criteria of Jesus Christ. Identify the anointed by the criteria of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 7 verse 18 to 19. Then we'll jump to 22. New Living Translation. Luke. Luca. Luke was a doctor by the way. Chapter 7 verse 18. Start from verse 18. Start from verse 18. Verse 18 is the previous verse. Mm -hmm. Can we read together? It's on the screen. One, two, three. I can't hear you. One, two, three. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. Uh -huh. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the one coming, or do we look for another? Jump to verse 22. Look at the response Jesus gave. So John wanted to identify, is Jesus the anointed? Is Jesus the anointed? That was the identity he wanted to, to, to know. So when Jesus was asked, are you the anointed? Look at the answer he gave. One, two, three. Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached. Uh -huh. And blessed is. Talk to me, I can't hear. And blessed is. So John the Baptist was truly a spiritual prophet. He wanted to know whether Jesus Christ was the famous anointed Messiah whom they were all expecting or not. 
somehow somehow Jesus did not think it was necessary to give a simple answer of yes or no instead he sent him a message describing his ministry achievements and works so Jesus did not want to give a yes or no answer even though the question of John was a yes or no because what John wanted to know is are you the one who is anointed he wanted to know are you the one who has been uh, what is that called are you the one who has been sent by God or should we wait for another look at the answer Jesus gave he said Jesus answered to them and said go and tell John the Baptist the things you have seen or rather go and tell John the things you have seen the things you have heard that the blind can see the deaf the lame can walk the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them so Jesus did not just want to give a yes or no answer he wanted to give a list of his achievements and those list of that achievement should be used as the criteria to know if he is anointed or not so one way of identifying the anointed is to look at the things he is doing look at the list of his achievements or the things that are happening through his ministry are people being born again in his ministry are people being changed in his ministry are lives being transformed are vagabonds being restored are miracles happening do we have sick people being healed <laughs> do we have all sorts of things happening in that ministry that is one way you identify the anointed by making sure that you sit down and analyze tell me you sit down and analyze the ministry of the person if you can pick these hallmarks then that is a sign that that man is anointed if you can see somebody was into drugs has been delivered from drugs somebody was an addict he is no longer drinking and he is now born again seated in church like the madman of gadara how he was demon possessed then when he met jesus the bible says that the bible says what that the man was delivered and people found him seated down clothed and in his right mind then they said surely this man has been with the lord or surely the lord has done this that is one way of knowing but that is one way of knowing if the anointed is actually anointed this is the criteria that Jesus used Jesus would have easily said ah yes i am the one you've been waiting for but Jesus did not want to do that he was confident enough 
to tell John the Baptist. And you know, John was the father of Jesus. You know that. John is the spiritual father of Jesus. It is John that, that baptized Jesus. And it is John that introduced Jesus into ministry. Those who are in the morning prayer, you saw where Jesus had to be baptized by John the Baptist. Then after Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Son of God cometh, whom I am not worthy to untie. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with fire and the Spirit. So it is John the Baptist who introduced Jesus into the world of ministry. So he was his father. Because a father is the one who introduces you. However, his own father was surprised by the things that this man was doing. So Jesus, John the Baptist, he's asking a question and Jesus is saying, look at the things I am doing and those things should tell you if I am anointed or not. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, the hallmarks of a ministry should be an indicator if that person is anointed or not. So the achievements of Jesus Christ in which the blind could see, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear, the dead were raised, were unique achievements that could only be achieved by someone who is anointed by God. So the preaching of the gospel to the poor is a special work of ministry achieved only by anointed people. The preaching of the gospel to the poor is a special work of the ministry that is only achieved by truly anointed people. Today, ministers measure themselves by the rich people who attend their services. It is indeed a pleasure for a pastor to have some rich people in his congregation. It is a pleasure. I would really want to have rich people here. Yeah, like you. I see you becoming rich. I would want you to pack your Mercedes-Benz and enter the church. I would want you to come from your own house, five-bedroom mansion it, and come into the church. I see God making you rich. I see God making you rich. You're becoming rich in power, rich in affluence, and rich in influence. Yes. I would want one day you give $1,000 as offering. Yes. One time you say, we are raising money. You say, pastor, there's no need for raising money. I got you. That's what I want you to do. Tell me about I'm the one the pastor is talking about. It's a pleasure. It's a good thing. But the ministry to the poor is a great hallmark of the anointing. Because when you go to preach to the poor, what use do you tell them? How can the poor finance the gospel? Do you know the gospel, like salvation is free, but the gospel is very expensive. For us to do church here, what is the cost of doing church here? How many, how many overheads costs do we have as a church? So many. We have, I don't know, water bill. I don't know electricity. I don't know security. I don't know, uh, what is this called? Rent. I don't know garbage. The, eh? At prayers. Repairs, yeah, maintenance and repair. All those are bills. And those bills have to be paid. People don't think that, oh, because it's a church, those when, they, when we call people for repairs, they will just say, in No, they actually charge you more. Yes, all those require rich people to finance it. But when you are sent to preach to poor people, my friend, 
You are preaching to people who have no power to finance the gospel. That is one of the greatest hallmarks of somebody who is anointed. And one of the poor people in the world is you. Yes, students are poor. Students are poor. Young adults are poor. Look at the offering you gave today. Look at the offering you gave today. Why am I shouting? <laughs> yeah, look at the offering you gave. Look at where you live. You, we had to bust you to, to, to church. If that bus left you, you would not make it to church. Look at your life. Look at what you ate for supper. You not even had breakfast. Look at what you are wearing. The rich don't eat how you eat. If they eat what you've eaten, they have so much upset. How can you survive on KDF and, and Srungi? Laumeshiba. Or Indomie. Or Sosi. Indomie that has been banned for consumption. They have said that Indomie is wrong. It has aflatoxin. You, you are wondering, where is it? I've been eating it, I've not seen. Eh? Some dogs somewhere. Look, just here in Karen. Some dogs eat better than you. They've been, they live in better houses. The house you are living in is not even half of a dog house in Karen. They have workers employed to take care of them. They are washed. They are fed. They are given meat. They are given balance that a dog. <laughs> they are taken to a doctor, a vet, for checkup. You don't do checkups. You don't do checkups. What are checkups, man? <laughs> when you are sick, you just treat yourself. I'm in malaria. I'm malaria. i last time. I'm in Kunya majimolo takuwa sawa. But they don't do that. Those dogs are rich. So me telling you, or me standing here preaching to you, is a hallmark of an anointed man. Because my ministry is littered with preaching to poor people. But even though I'm preaching to poor people, we are somehow able to finance the gospel. We are somehow able to be afloat. I, I, another pastor started a church like ours when he saw it, when he saw what we are doing. He started. So he went and said, even me, I want to have, I want, I'm called to preach to young people. So he went and started. <laughs> so one time he called me and told me, Pastor Boni, hey, 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 hey. I really have a question. Wow, wow. Wait. He asked me, hey, How do you pay your bills? <laughs> I asked him, what do you mean? He said, how, like, how, do you, how is the church remaining afloat? How do we have uh, uh, electricity paid and stuff like that? I said, through the giving of the people. He said, our giving, pastor, <laughs> our giving, pastor, is very little. I said, yeah, because you've gone to preach to poor people. Him, when he was going in, he thought that students will have money. That's the mind he have. You know, a lot of people think that students have, have a lot of money. Eh? They have money, but the money is not for ministry. You guys have a lot of money, by the way. It's true. But look at the offerings you give. 50 bob. You have no place for the ministry. But you can see somebody who is anointed by the aspect that he is willing to preach to poor people. 
So, it is a greater accomplishment to preach to the poor. Whom a person preaches to tells a lot about their kind of anointing he is carrying. Because some people are more difficult to preach to than others. It is more difficult to sustain a ministry to poor people than it is to the rich people. So the fact that Jesus was preaching to poor meant a lot. And anyone who had eyes could hear. And anyone who had ear, uh, whatever, what are they called? Eyes could see. Because to sustain a ministry to poor people is very difficult. If I give you the bills of this church per month, you will realize that it's the anointing that is at work. I always ask uh, Pastor Cecilia, the one, uh, she's the one in charge of finance. I ask her, how do we manage to pay our, our bills? Because when you see what is coming in, vis-a-vis -vis what is needed, they don't marry. If, if a lot of people say, oh, church is a business. If church was a business, this business would have closed down. Long time. Because there's no profit. We've never broken even. Because what comes in, vis-a-vis -vis what goes out, is not the same. And no business can operate with more expenses than income. So when you see a church, you will see the anointing present, where the income is less than the expenses. But somehow, the income meets the expenses. That's the anointing. That's the anointing. It is the anointing at work that makes us, at the, we've never been late with any of our bills. Never. In fact, a week or two weeks before, the, the, the money is always ready. It's just writing the checks. Never. What, what, what has done that possible? The anointing. None of our branches has been closed down. None of them has been closed down. At your work, we rent. None. And we have several. What is the difference? Or rather, what makes the difference? The anointing. So you identify anointed people by the littering of the achievements that are in their ministry. Yes. If I give somebody who is not anointed this church to run, eh? they will call me after two weeks and say, Pastor, take, what is, take your thing and I don't want. But when you're outside, because you don't understand how the anointing works, you can easily think, ah, if he gives me that opportunity, I, I, can, I can make it, I can do crazy, I can do great works. Because you don't understand how the anointing works. But when you come close, one time during COVID, we decided to, to introduce the busing offering in the love groups. And I bless the Lord that the Lord led us to that direction. Because now the shepherds understand what people give. In a love group of 10 people, they give 30 bob. 17 bob. Yeah, it was 17 shillings actually. One, seven. In a zone of over 100 and something people, they give 1,200. So, and 1,200 is the upper limit. So it's something, most of the time it's something below that. So one time I asked the shepherd, have you realized that church is not money? Because now you're the ones who count the money. Because maybe in their mind they used to think, my God, when they see those offering, <laughs> offering bags passing, they say, Nikichupatuyo moja ifi nitoroke. My life is changed forever. 
My life is changed forever. It cannot even pay your shopping for one week. But what makes it possible to continue in operation? The anointing. It is the anointing. What would make somebody who used to smoke seven rolls of bang be seated here in his right mind? <laughs> in his right mind. What would make such a person? Is it not the anointing? It's the anointing. What would make someone like Skeeter to be brown? She was not like that when she came in. She was not like that. What would make someone like Maggie be seated here? Andrew. I do have to apologize and you are biased. What would make you look at yourself? You know your sins. Some of you, maybe last night, this morning, you've not woken up from your bed. The bed you woke up is not yours, if you know what I mean. Like you went somewhere for a sleepover. You woke up from the wrong bed this morning. And you're looking at me and you're here. What has brought you here? What makes you go and come back? What makes you go and come back? What would make people, my dear, leave Sunday, come on Tuesday, go Thursday for love group, and again on Sunday you see them here? What would make people go and come back? It's the anointing. It is something that is supernatural. Something beyond the natural. Some, the thing that is influencing us is is something that is able to control a human being. Who can control Cecilia faster? If not the anointing, who can control her? Who can control you? Who can control Precious Katunge? Who can, if not the anointing? Who can control Pastor Wangari, if not the anointing? This one, who can? The husband, we have to continuously pray for the husband. To have more anointing. Who can control Mike? Jenny, I don't even want to talk. <laughs> this guy, Manu, the guy on keyboard too, he was not controllable. He used to come to church when it's almost over. When service was almost over is when he used to show up. And if there's no busting, he's not coming. He calls us 12. Is the bus available? He's told no. He says, Nowadays, by, by 6.50, I see him here. I see him here. Not passed by anybody. What has changed him? Talk to me, what has changed him? Somebody who used, who used to come without bathing, now he's bringing himself at 6.50 for the prayer clinic. What has changed him? The anointing. Did I tell you to change? Did you, did you have a conversation that you need to change? I just started seeing him. I knew the anointing would change him. So when it happened, I just knew, whoa. The anointing has begun to work on the man. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you know an anointed person by the criteria of Jesus. Number two. Or oh, you don't want number two. Identify the anointed by the signs of doing unusual things with ease. Identify the anointed person by the sign of doing anointed things with ease. Identify the anointed person by the sign of doing unusual things with ease. John 3 verse 1 and 2. John 3.
read the anointing. This man is always breaking his drumsticks. The Bible says, one, can we read it together? There was, okay, this one says, this, this man. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. One, two, three, can you read again? Everybody should read. No, let's start again and everybody should read. One, two, three. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come down from God. For no one can do these things. Mm -hmm. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, So, the thing is, okay, let me start from verse 1. Maybe you'll get the context. From verse 1, I had actually said verse 1, but he went to verse 2. Okay, can we read together? This man, mm -hmm, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come down from God. No one can do. So the kind of signs you are looking for is a sign of when somebody does something that is natural, or rather, when somebody does something that is not natural, with ease. The sign that you are looking for is a sign of when somebody does something that is not natural, easy or usual to do. And he does it with ease. For example, parting River Jordan was not ordinary. Right? Parting River Jordan was not ordinary. But Elisha parted River Jordan with his clock. It's not an easy thing. So Nicodemus said to Jesus, no one can do these things except God be with him. It is so sad that sometimes unbelievers are quick to identify signs of an unusual person with unusual abilities while Christians stand by them and hardly recognize the gift of God upon their lives. Nicodemus was not a Christian, proclaimed Christian. But he was able to identify that no man can do this except the Lord be with him. John the Baptist, the father of Jesus, the spiritual father of Jesus, had to send people to go and ask Jesus, are you the one or you should wait for another? Yet an unbeliever called Nicodemus could see that the things Jesus was doing was a clear indicator that this is a teacher who has come down from heaven. So, to identify an anointed person, you need to look for unusual signs, unusual things done with ease. Like the things I was talking about previously. Preaching to poor people, healing the sick, controlling young people. By the way, 
one of the greatest indicators of an anointing or the presence of God in a place is the number of young people. The more the young people, the stronger the presence of God. I tell you why. One of the hardest people to control is young people. They are called young, wild, and free. That's what, that's what the world calls them. It is, that's why even the government has been unable to control the youth of this country. It's not easy to control young people. People with passions, like yours. Burning passions. Why, why, why is sex so rampant in universities? And there you can be expelled. Because it's very hard to control a young person like you. You know the truth. You know even you yourself. You call for yourself for meetings and you don't go. Yeah, you call yourself for meetings and you don't show up. It's very hard to control yourself. But you can see a young man controlling you. It's not by the power of his mind and the power of his hands. It's by the anointing. That is not a natural thing. Who will control ladies like this one? Who have passions. They want to be told, oh baby, I love you. Or they are being told already. Then you tell them, don't date, wait. Who will control somebody who has had nine girlfriends? Now he's on the tenth. You tell him from now on, no more girlfriends. Wait for two years. Work on your soul first. Then you will get married. Who will do that? That's an unusual thing. It means the anointing is present. Who will lead young people and tell them, now I want you guys to think about getting married? At the right time. Who will channel your energies? Who will tell young people, I want us to build the church for God? Where, where, in Kenya, where have you seen young people build a church? Oh, Jengewa. It's true. Oh, Jengewa. Yeah. They say, let's call the parents to help these young people. And it's true. But you see, you go to another place, you find it is full of young people. And those young people have been able to build a church. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Several of them. What is that? What is that? Talk to me, what is that? It's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of God. Young people don't like showering. They don't like showering. It's the truth. Water is scary. <laughs> it's a stumbling block. Now you tell them you need to start grooming yourself properly. You need to love the shower. You need to buy cologne. You need to smell nice. You need to look this way and look that way. And you see that young person has actually begun to do that. What is that? What is that? You're not answering me. What is that? It's the anointing. You know what? It's the anointing. So watch out for people who have unusual abilities to preach and to teach with ease. This unusual ability is a sign that should not be taken for granted. This is a sign that should make you recognize the anointing on them. You see somebody preaching for hours. I do camps for hours. I preach from morning to evening. You try. Ten minutes. You're out. 
You are almost dying. <laughs> almost dying. You are wondering, what else will I say for the rest of the day? But you see somebody standing here from 7 or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. in the night with breaks of maybe an hour in the entire day for three days or for four days. Four days. What is that? Those are unusual things. And you don't get bored. You know some places you go to and when you, once you enter like this, you position yourself to sleep. There are churches when you go, unajieka vizuri ulale. Unasema one hour for sleep. Unakaka kona. Yeah. But you lean by the wall and you're supported by the bench. But here you are active for eight hours. The whole day. From 6 a.m. to the night. You are just looking, listening, writing. Your mind does not tell you mechoka. What is at work at that time? The anointing. The Bible says it's the anointing that is the spirit, which is the anointing that quickens the mortal body. So the anointing quickens your body. So you don't even feel tired. You don't even realize that time is going. You don't even realize. It's like time is suspended. What is that? Those unusual things is a sign of the anointing. Those things that are unusual. You see somebody tells you, come, I want you to become a shepherd. He prays for you. You've never been made a prefect all your life. <laughs> Not even a glass monitor. Nobody has ever seen your leadership abilities because you had none. Nobody, you had none. But somebody tells, tells you, come, I want you to be a shepherd. Then he prays for you. And all of a sudden, People begin to follow you. People begin to listen to you. You that could not even tell your, your friend, your best friend in class to keep quiet. What's your problem? Now, you have 10 people following you. They say, this is my shepherd. You tell them, come to church early. They show up. <laughs> is it not mysterious? It's an unusual thing. It's an unusual thing. Why do you think politicians are flocking in this church? Coming in and out. Because they have seen that this man can actually control what we are unable to control. Then we need this man to help us. Those unusual things are a sign of the anointing. The Bible speaks of a man called Elisha. Let's read the Bible and see what he did. Let's see one unusual thing that he did. Uh, what? Second uh, um, uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 12. So you must be sensitive, because before we read, you must be sensitive and notice the anointing as people carry out extremely difficult tasks like pastoring a church, evangelizing, raising shepherds, praying for the sick, ministering in the spirit with ease you must be sensitive to notice such things and know hey, you must be like Nicodemus and say this is a teacher who has been sent down from God sent down from heaven by God because of what he's doing with ease let's, let's read the scriptures on the screen one two three 
and cried out mm -hmm. the chariot of Israel and its horsemen so he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces mm -hmm. let's continue that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the Jordan by the bank of the Jordan mm -hmm. then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said where is the God of Elijah and when he had struck the water it was divided this way and that way and Elisha crossed over verse 15 now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Because, can you And the river parts. It goes this way and that way. Then he walks. Is that not an unusual thing? That's not a normal thing. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every day. You will want to know, hey, who is this man? But I'm so sure some of you will think it's Juju. Because a lot of you, you are wired to the negative more than to God. You are wired more to superstition because of even where you come from. Yeah. Superstition. However, you must be sensitive in the spirit to recognize that this is the hand of God. This is the hand of God. This is not ordinary. This is not possible. No man can do this except the Lord be with him. No man can control me. You should ask yourself, me, who? This man that has been able to control. My parents were not able. You know it. Your parents have been struggling to tell you to stop having bad company. They never succeeded. You've met a stranger in the name of Boni. He has told you bad company corrupts good morals. And all of a sudden, you've, you've, you've thrown out your bad company and now you're in good company. And nobody could control you. Nobody could control your sexual appetite. You are like a dog on heat 24-7. Ah, or am I lying? Why are you looking at me as if you don't know what I'm saying? You are small, small, but the things you do, mighty, mighty. <laughs> Go to verse 3, chapter 3, verse 11. So when the, the prophets, the sons of the prophets saw this, so one time a king was looking for a prophet. Look at what he said. Can we read together? But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we by him so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said Elisha the son of Saphat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah uh -huh. verse 12 and Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the, the king of Edom so all the kings the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to look for a man whose only work in the ministry of his father, Elijah, was to wash his hands. 
One time I found some guys washing, washing my car outside. I told them, you might be surprised that that washing of car is what is giving you the anointing. You might be surprised. You just pouring water. How does pouring water in the hands of a prophet make you a prophet? You are like a waiter. You are like a waiter basically to that prophet. You are a servant. So how does you being a servant give you the power to do what he does? It's mysterious. It's mysterious. But Elijah had seen that this man does unusual things. Do you know even how he was, this guy was called? He was walking. Elijah was walking. Then he came by and found Elijah with bulls digging. He removed his clothes, threw it on him. And the man stopped tilling, plowing, and he followed him. He went and sold all his bulls. He did not tell me, he, don't, he didn't tell him, follow me. He just threw his clothes on him. The man stopped his business. He had bulls. <laughs> he went, slaughtered all of them, sold them for meat, and followed the man. Is that not mysterious? How do you just start following a stranger whom you have met on the road for the first time? It's a mystery. It means that Elisha saw something. When that cloth fell on him, he saw something, had something, and felt something. And he knew this man is with God. And look what he became from pouring water in the hands. Just water. Just being a shepherd. Just being a shepherd. Just bringing sheep. You don't even realize what it is doing to you. A few years is when you realize, actually, I have caught the anointing. Not now, when I was a shepherd, is when I caught the anointing. Now is the manifestation of the anointing. But I caught it when I was being a shepherd. When I was just serving with the man, traveling with the man, being around the man, being easy around him, laughing around him. He tells me, go, I go. He tells me, come, I come. He says, sit, I sit. He says, stand, I stand. Just that. Is enough for you to catch the anointing. Number three, how to identify the anointed person. Number three, identify the anointed person by the peculiar, peculiar, peculiarities of his life. By the peculiarities of his life. Identify the anointed person by the peculiarities of his life. Matthew 17 verse 10. Matthew 17 verse 10. Matthew 17 verse 10. It's on the screen. Can we read it together? And his disciples asked him, mm -hmm, Why do this? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Let's continue, verse 13 and the last one. 
So some anointed people have peculiar characteristics that are not necessarily ministry achievements. Both John the Baptist and Elijah had peculiar feeding and dressing habits which were not ministry achievements per se. John the Baptist used to dress in what? Talk to me, he used to dress in what? Camel skin, right? And he used to feed on what? Locust and honey. Who feeds on locust and honey? John the Baptist used to live in the desert. <laughs> Can you imagine living, you know, living in the desert? It means living in very extremely harsh conditions. When you go there, you feel like walking naked. How do you live in the desert and dress in a camel skin? You know camel skin is quite heavy. So imagine dressing on it every day. I can imagine maybe he had beards. He had just some peculiar characteristics around him. <laughs> so interestingly, those peculiar those, peculiar, those peculiarities were signs of the anointing on their lives. And Jesus used those peculiar signs to identify the spirit of Elijah on John the Baptist. So Jesus Christ clearly identified John the Baptist as someone who operated in the spirit and the anointing of Elijah. Because he, used, he did peculiar things like Elijah did. Right? He lived in, in places like Elijah lived in. Are we together? He lived, he did almost the same things Elijah did. He actually died the same death Elijah died. Elijah died because of a woman. Right? Jezebel. John the Baptist was killed because of who? The wife of Herodias. Herodias. The wife of Herod. Herodias. Said, if your father asks you for anything, up to the half of your kingdom, ask for the head of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was killed because of a woman. Elijah was killed because of a woman. Look at the woman next to you and say nothing. <laughs> I said, say nothing. So Jesus clearly identified John the Baptist as someone who operated in the spirit and the anointing of Elijah. So the peculiarities of John the Baptist's ministry, in which he lived and ministered in the desert, fed on locusts and wild honey, dressed in camel's hair and leather belt, preached confrontational messages, and challenged king's wives were clear for everyone to see. Jesus knew that it was a sign that Elijah was resting on John. Because even Elijah confronted a woman called Jezebel. John the Baptist confronted the wife of Herod, Herodias, a king. He actually also confronted a king. Same with Elijah. Confronted Ahab and told Ahab, Ahab, you will know that I am a prophet. There will be no rain for three years. John the Baptist confronted the king and told him, how can you marry the wife of your brother? That is where the thief began. Because the Bible says the king knew that what he did was wrong and what, uh, what John the Baptist was saying was true. But because he wanted to show that he was king, a beef started. And the woman who had been married is the woman who now decided to eliminate John. Because the woman thought, you want to break my marriage? Ah, I'll show you. Because the woman who had been married was a brother, was, a wife, was, was of the brother. 
So both of them had peculiar characteristics. That's why I was telling you, when you catch an anointing from somebody, you will start seeing the effects and the achievement of the ministry of that person happening in your life. Like I have seen a lot of things that happened in Pastor Jimmy's life happen in my life. I have seen a lot. He's traveling. I have seen myself travel. The things he experiences, I experience them at my level. May not be in the same proportion and measure, but at my level, I experience almost the same thing he experiences. I preach with ease, just like he preaches with ease. There's no day I preach and ask myself, where will money for this come from? Where will money for this come from? It's never even anywhere in my mind. Me, I just preach because I love Jesus. Same with him. Tell your neighbor, the peculiarities of people's life is a sign of the anointing. Those peculiar things. That may not necessarily be ministry related. Look, I was born six months old. I'm not a full-time baby. That's why I have this scar on my head. It is this scar that saved my life. Because when I was born, I was premature. I was actually supposed to die. If, I do, if Dr. Timothy is here, he will tell you that when a child is born at six months, the probability of surviving is almost nil. It's almost nil. So when my mother saw that I had been born at that age, I was less than a kg. I was 900 grams. And that's, that's very worrying. When you have, especially when a child has low uh, weight, it's very dangerous. The doctor is always advising you to make sure that it's a certain, because at a certain age, you need to have certain kilos. I was born 900 grams. That's like a bread. It's bread now, 900 grams. 800, short of 100. To become the weight of a bread, a loaf. That is very light. That is something you can... So you can carry bread like this. That means I could be carried like this. So when my mother saw that I had been born like that, she realized that the only thing that will save me is if she goes into covenant with God. So she knelt down by the incubator and told God, if this one lives, he will be a prophet. Because that's the only thing that would have saved me, a covenant with God. Otherwise, I would not have survived. I would be among the, the children who died during birth. I would be part of the statistics. So because of that covenant, I survived. When I survived, people could not believe. I stayed in the incubator, in the incubator for four months. Four I had to finish my, my term, three months, and another extra month for observation. That's a peculiar sign. I would have died. By the way, a lot of prophets are attacked at birth. Like Moses, they wanted to kill him at birth. When he was born like this, because... In the spiritual world, they know who is coming to become a prophet and who is coming to trouble them. They know. They can sense. That's why they knew that a son is about to be born who is going to be a savior of Israel. So they said, because we don't know who, we will kill everybody. The mother had to find a way. Same story with Jesus. Upon when he was, when he was being born, 
all the male children suffered. <laughs> all the male children in the kingdom were killed. Because a lot of children who are coming in as spiritual leaders, Satan would always want to kill them at birth. Because it is easier to kill something that is not grown than to kill something that is full grown. Right now, it's not easy for him to kill me. I can kill him. I kill him a lot of times in my prayers. Like I bind him. You understand? My prayers are directed towards him. I've known how to, I've mastered how to operate in the spirit. But when I was an infant, what had I mastered? I was under the masses of the, my, my guardians. If they decided to kill me, they would have also killed me. When you, when you just do it to a child for like five minutes, they are gone. They'll just throw legs there. The next thing, they are gone. But they, they didn't do that. And that is what kept me. That is one peculiar sign of my life. That is one of the things that actually made me know that I'm going to be a prophet. So fast forward, when I was around 16 years, that's when the first time the Lord appeared to me. And he told me, if you remain where you are, like in a certain context, I will then use you to influence your generation. I was turning 17, 16 going to 17. And true, I have seen that, that appearance of God coming to pass in my life. I have seen that testimony of God coming to pass in my life. So I can confidently say that I know I'm a prophet because of the peculiarities that are not ministry related in my life. Number four and the last one. You identify them by the peculiarities of their lives. Identify the anointed by the inspirational prophesyings. Identify the anointed by the inspirational prophesyings. First Corinthians 14 verse 3. First Corinthians 14 verse 3 how to identify anointed people. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. The Bible says, for I delivered 1 Corinthians what did you put? Eh? 15. Okay. Can we read together? 1, 2, 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort to men. So the work of a prophet is to speak edification, exhortation and what? Comfort. That's the work of a prophet. Edification is to strengthen, to edify, to strengthen. Exhortation is to encourage, and comfort is comfort. So anytime I'm preaching, you realize that you feel comforted. You feel like you're not alone in this journey. You feel encouraged. You feel strengthened to continue with your work. So you identify a prophet by his inspirational prophesies. You are edified. You are strengthened. You are exalted. You are comforted. You identify a prophet by these things. Another scripture, Acts 19 verse 6. Acts 19 verse 6. Acts 19 verse 6. The Bible says, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and did what? So you can see another prophet when he spoke to them and laid hands on them they received the ability to speak in tongues and to prophesy. 
You identify a prophet by inspirational prophesying. In the last scripture is Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Acts chapter 2 verse 17. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 13. Oh, verse, the next verse, sorry. Verse 18. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall do what? Prophesy. So prophesying is one of the most immediate signs of the presence of the anointing. In the book of Acts, whenever people received the Holy Spirit and were baptized by the Holy Spirit, they mostly began to speak in tongues. And while they were speaking in tongues, they began to prophesy. A lot of times when you're speaking in tongues, you're actually prophesying. That's what the Bible says, he that speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but speaketh mysteries to the Lord. So speaking in tongues is not for your brother. It's not for your sister. It is for you to speak to who? To God. When you speak in tongues, you are speaking mysteries to God. And part of those mysteries is prophesying. So one of the most immediate signs of the anointing, of the presence of the anointing, is speaking in tongues and prophesying. So the speech, preaching, and prophecies of a person are very important in identifying the anointing on a person's life. The speech, the preaching, and the prophecies of a person are very important in identifying the anointing on a person's life. If you're very sensitive and discerning, when you listen to a person preach, you will know whether they are anointed or not. Look, I've watched many preachers on TV. And when I was watching, I have sometimes sensed the presence of God. One time I was going through Facebook. And then a video popped up of Apostle Nganga. He was praying with his guitar, singing and praying with his guitar. Then he stopped and started talking. I'm telling you, I could sense the presence of God upon that man. I could sense strongly that this man, nobody can do the things he's doing without God. He's not educated. But the things he does, the miracles he performs, I said, ah, this man is with God. I said, me, I will never open my mouth to speak against him. Because I could actually sense that this man is like a modern day David. He's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And there are other people you can listen to and you feel like, you sense in your heart there's nothing here. And others, their life is not as you'd want it. Their life is not full of decorations and decency and diplomatic awe like you'd want it. But they are full of the anointing. Who could tell that John the Baptist was anointed? If he was living today, a prophet who is coming from Isiolo eating locust and honey claims to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, and he's, they would say, actually say he's dressing in camel's hair, camel's skin, with a leather belt. And he's always, he's always by the river, baptizing people. It would be a story. Sit upright. 
But was he anointed? Was he anointed? Was he a forerunner of Jesus? You know why you are easily saying yes? Because you are looking at it in retrospect. You are looking at it from a point of what he did. The people who were with him at that time could easily miss him. <laughs> they could easily miss him. They could easily say, ah, where John? Talk up. They could easily dismiss him. That's why you need to be sensitive to know who is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and who is not. But how will you know and you yourself, you don't have a measure of the anointing. You are dead. You have no, the Holy Spirit does not reside in you. Because if the Holy Spirit resides in you, when the Holy Spirit is another person, the Spirit in you will be a witness, as the scriptures say, that at the account of two, a word shall be established. So the Spirit in me will be a witness of the Spirit upon Wangari. And the Spirit on Wangari will be a witness of the Spirit in me. So we'll both know this, this one has the anointing. And I, will say, and I will say this one also has the anointing. So you must be sensitive to pick prophecies. Sometimes I prophesy in my preachings and some of you don't pick, some of you pick. Because prophesying is simply speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. Like anytime I mention any city or any country or I mention anything that is good in, when I'm preaching, it's prophecy. It is probably to say that that thing will also come to you. It's prophecy. So it's for you to be sensitive enough and to be discerning enough to pick the voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of prophecy in the preaching. One time I was walking with somebody. We were just having a normal conversation. Then they told me something. And immediately they said that thing. I told myself, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. I could pick the voice of the Holy Spirit. Several that it has happened to me. Because sometimes my wife can be talking to me. I may not tell her. But I tell myself, hey, that's the Holy Spirit who has spoken. Because I can easily pick the voice of the Holy Spirit in people. And in the same manner, you can pick the voice of Satan in people. That's why Jesus was able to pick the voice of Satan in Peter. And they also picked the voice of the Holy Spirit in Peter. He said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed to you. A few hours later, he said, Peter, Satan, get behind me. He picked the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Satan in the same man. You must learn to identify anointed people by the inspirational prophesies. Have you ever asked yourself why anytime you come to church, you live encouraged? You live feeling happy. You live convicted of your sin. You feel convicted. You feel, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I have to stop doing what I am doing. If you had come from fornicating, you feel guilty. You say, why did I fornicate? Why? Why did I do it? Who, 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 am I the one who is convicting you? Am I the one who has come and told you, am I the one? It's the spirit. So you must identify anointed people. By those things, inspiration of their prophecies. Number five and the last one. I've seen I can finish with number five. I have ten minutes. Number five. Identify the anointed by his predictive prophesying. Identify the anointed by his predictive prophesying. This scripture is quite long, but let's read it. First Samuel 10 verse 1. Then we'll jump to verse 6. 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. Quickly, brother, I don't have time. The Bible says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil 
and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Jump to verse 6. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Now this is Samuel speaking. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. He was talking to Saul. Uh -huh. Quickly. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands. For God is with you. You shall go down before me to Galilee and surely I'll come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Verse 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from somewhere that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. So God changed his heart. And because God changed his heart, those signs that the prophet had spoken about came to pass. One of the reasons why that prophecies are spoken to you and they don't come to pass is because of your heart. God has not given you another heart, another believing heart that would make the prophecies that have been spoken to you or over you come to pass. Verse 10. Verse 10 quickly. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among... Was he told he will do that? In verse 6, he was told that. Verse, go to verse 6. Quickly. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another. So the prophet had prophesied. He had, he had done what, something called predictive prophecy. He told him something will happen to you on this particular time. And surely, just as the prophet had said, it came to pass. So you identify the anointed by their predictive prophesies. They say you will travel. Then all of a sudden, traveling doors open. They say you will do well. All of a sudden, you start doing well. They say you will get a job. All of a sudden, you start getting jobs. They say God will supply your needs this week. That week, God supplies your needs. You say, oh, this week, God will give you new phones. God will give you houses. That week, you see it coming to pass. God giving you new phones. You move to a better house. You receive new clothes. That is called predictive prophecy. Are we together? So when a person is anointed, he begins to have a prophetic and often predictive tone to his speech. The things that he says will start to happen. And the things that he predicts often come to pass. So the presence of the prophetic and predictive tone is often an indicative aspect or indicative sign of the anointing. So another thing you need to look out for is the number of things that the prophet or the anointed person has said and have happened. You need to sit down and ask yourself, how many things has this man said and they came to pass? He said, this year, this and this will happen. Have these things happened? And true, those things have come to pass. I've seen us prophesy, I used to prophesy earlier on and say, God will give us our own place. We will build a church. Are we not, are we not in that church? Those who are with me in the other side. I used to tell you, God will increase us. We will grow and become a mighty church. We will become great. Are we not a mighty church? I used to prophesy during the love and the mega church camp that we will have branches in, I don't know, Eldoret, in Machakos. I don't know where. Have those things come to pass? That is one way you know who 
is anointed by identifying the things that he has predictively prophesied about and they have come to pass. When you see those things, you know this man is anointed. So what he says will come to pass. So what you need to do is you pray that God will give you another heart. Like the scriptures say, when he left, verse what? Verse 8. Quickly. And it was when he had turned his back to go from somewhere that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. Everybody, I want you to ask the Lord to give you a new heart. So that all the prophecies that have been spoken to you by the anointed will come to pass. Why don't you rise up on your feet and begin to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me a new heart for the one who helps us identify anointed people. Now, Father, give us a listening ear. Give us a seeing eye, Lord. Let us identify the anointed. Let us identify the anointing upon these vessels, Lord. And let us experience the anointing they carry. Let our hearts be quick to believe. Take any unbelief in us, Lord. Help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Send us the anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.